Hello there, it's me, Chris. If you think about it, all podcast episodes are recorded in the past. However, the one you're about to listen to was recorded more in the past than the ones you've sometimes listened to were, or are, or is. This episode was recorded by Jamie and Tom Senior a little while ago, and for assorted life reasons, many of which are the same that we've been a bit slow on the old pods lately, uh, we're just getting it up now. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it, but appreciate that this podcast, which is a look forward to the games of the year to come, is now set further in the past than you might think for the reasons I've already outlined. So much so, in fact, that I know that the, the two of them have already played the game Wolong and think it's excellent. That's a direct quote from Jamie, a message I received on the messaging app Discord shortly before recording this. You didn't know that need to know that, but I've said it anyway. To land on the point a bit more directly... Uh, we're aware that pods have been uh, pretty unreliable lately, and we're obviously uh, sorry for, for anyone who's kind of dis- disappointed by the disruption to, to regular recording service. We've spent first few months of this year with all of us uh, in the middle of uh, assorted life business happenings, new jobs, uh, family things, and so on that have really slowed down our ability to record the pod, but it is very much on our mind. Uh, can't necessarily give a... Uh, I don't want to put a date on a, on a return to normal service to whatever extent that's ever been a real thing so much to acknowledge it and say that we're still here we're trucking along we're thinking about the podcast we're thinking about you probably uh to whatever extent you feel comfortable with anyway i'm going to shut up now uh enjoy jamie and tom senior talking about the games of tomorrow yesterday Hello and welcome to the Crate and Crowbar, a podcast all about video games. Uh, I'm Jamie Britton, and with me today is Mr. Tom Senior. Hello, Tom. Hello. How are you How doing? You doing? I'm, I'm great. I've, I've been indulging. Uh, I've played more games than I have like this week than in the past sort of three months. Uh, it's that weird phase of the year where uh, lots of stuff gets shunted into the kind of spring period from the full period so uh, i'm enjoying lots of releases at the moment and uh, i think you might be enjoying one or two as well jamie from what we've been chatting about yeah bits and bobs um i've had a good time this week playing a game i've never played before which is uh super mario galaxy the game oh, from yeah. the uh, wii which i've always been like yeah everyone says it's this like incredibly imaginative and magical journey mm. um and i was like i bet it isn't and then i played it like, oh yeah it is it's absolutely exactly that yeah completely suffused with joy and wonder and is an absolute pleasure to play um so yeah i've been i've been enjoying that maybe once i've completed that i'll, I'll come back and chat about mario because i'm a late in life convert to the mario verse um uh so yeah I, I can talk a bit about mario another time i've also been playing monster hunter rise uh on on switch and uh kind of enjoying being kind of bewildered by that game it's got a weird sort of endlessly complicated you know and and, and sort of uh you know lots of menus and systems and stuff like that but then basically you just go out into the woods and hit some animals, monsters in the head with a big hammer and it's not that hard. So it's this really weird dissonance in the early game of that between like, you know, the the kind of density of the rules and the systems and the fact that like 
you, you, you basically are just hitting a hitting a thing in the head with a hammer. So yeah, I'm in, I'm enjoying that too. It's a good little switch game. Um, uh, what about you, Tom? Have you been playing a sort of uh, jambalaya of games, past and present? I have. I mean, um, so to sort of lay things out for the the course of this podcast, we're going to be talking about as everything we can possibly think of <laughs> that's coming out this year. <laughs> And uh, I've accidentally made that sound like it's going to be a comprehensive list, but we're actually just going to try and get excited about cool stuff that's coming up. Um, and it's kind of, we're in a weird period where actually it feels as though uh, the actual layout of the releases this year has been like later than normal. Like normally by November in the previous year, you sort of know basically what's going to slip and what's going to hit. Um, but this year there's just a crazy abundance of, uh releases that have not been well teased or kind of like marketed in the same way that we'd expect so actually there might be some surprises and stuff that we can sort of dig into and uh, uh, the main purpose is to just find out what we're excited about and uh, like uh actually some of the things i'm most excited about have just came out before this podcast uh i'm talking about like company of theories three and uh the new Destiny expansion. Uh, so I don't know, how about you, Jeremy? Is that, are you having that similar sort of experience with how you're lining up your year of games? Uh, yeah, I, I'm in a weird spot now because I think with Elden Ring kind of obviously been out for a year now, for a long time, that was my like, that was like my big upcoming game. You know, that was the one I was super excited about and it didn't disappoint. Um, uh, and so this last year, I've been kind of looking around for, you know, something to kind of really glom onto. Before Elden Ring, it was Spelunky 2 that I was like crazy excited about and hanging around in the Spelunky Discord, like, um, you know, sort of speculating. It was a really fun, like, process that um, kind of, you know, guessing at the bits and bobs that were coming out. Um, so I, I've got kind of, I'm a, I'm a bit of a blank here. There's one of the games that we're going to be talking about today, which I've played a demo of, which I'm super excited about. But, um, and also one of the bigger AAA games that's coming this year is another one that I think might turn out to be a bit of an all-timer. Um, but we'll we'll chat about that when we get to it. So yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's a strange time because we're kind of through the pandemic now. There's a lot of games coming out. Games are in this weird place now where like graphical quality is often sky high across the board. Um, but that is no means a marker of quality, especially when you're looking at like action adventure games, you know, Forspoken being probably a good example of of that kind of vibe. So there's a few more Forspoken likes coming out this year and it's going to be, you know, an interesting to see which ones stick because it may well be that one of them is a an absolute classic. It's just that, you know, there's been a bit of a run of slightly disappointing takes on that form, you know. Yeah, I, I, I always didn't want to mention the pandemic, but I, I think we should because, like, that is surely a massive reason behind the kind of uh like uh, the stack of games that is uh, you know games that have been back to a pool delayed or and the lack of triple a releases it just and also you know the gaming landscape shouldn't be defined by these releases really because there's so much exciting indie stuff coming out all the time um but i do feel as though there's kind of like a floodgate <laughs> like something is about to happen this year or later this year or early next year where all of this kind of collective energy and <laughs> creativity um, and, you know, innovation will hopefully sort of burst forth when, you know, teams are allowed to get back together and actually get get back to work and, 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 and actually create new stuff. I feel as though Forspoken 
has become a bit of a kind of target. Um, it, it, it is lacking in imagination. It is just a very frustrating game. And there's an idea that's actually perhaps, you know, uh, if lots of if more innovative teams targeted their efforts at this particular idea, they could have made something much better. And I think that's kind of what critics are feeling at the moment about games. I don't know. That's quite a very, very general point. Yeah, but it, it's quite likely that you know people are able to people have been now been able to start making their post pandemic games. Yes. You know, games that aren't tainted, tainted by that at all. Um, yeah, which is exciting because the, the technology and everything is. It seems that it's you know it's 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 easier for smaller companies to make better looking games. And I know for that's sure. not, that's not necessarily the be on and end all. In fact, it's nowhere close to it, but it does mean that, you know, I think there's a bit of a expansion going on, which should be, you know, if nothing else, exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, what I did here for this sort of list we did, we're going to work, work through is I just went on a bunch of websites and looked at their most anticipated games. And then I also asked the Crow and Crow Bar Discord um, to chime in with some suggestions and lovely folk that they always are. They they gave a, a bunch of stuff that I hadn't heard of and had no idea existed and stuff like that. So we've got a nice mix, I think, of big hitters and indie releases, most of which are slated for um, 2023 releases. Some of them are just like TBA um, some of them are kind of almost, uh, uh, you know, uh, vaporware type stuff that <laughs> hasn't, hasn't turned up for years. Done when they're done, that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. So should we uh, jump straight into it, into this list? And then yeah. we'll put we'll put all the names of these games in the show notes. And uh, I've made a YouTube playlist of the trailers that we're using as well, and I can put that in the show notes too. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. Uh, so the first game I wanted to talk about actually was a game that was announced five years ago, uh, which is UFO 50, which was Derek Yu's original follow-up to Spelunky and is a game which is 50 uh, arcade games made by different developers, um, including the people behind uh, Downwell and Catacomb Kids and, and stuff like that. Um, the trailer is super exciting. Um and he, Derek Yu has stated on Twitter relatively recently that he is, you know, back working for it. Because cause Blunky 2 kind of took over and there was a point where he on Twitter, and we were all talking about it in the Discord, obviously, was like, um, going to stop making <laughs> UFO 50 now and, and finish Blunky 2 and then I'll go back to that one. So whenever that comes out, I'm going to be super excited about it because anything Derek Yu has his name on is is yeah. you know, is an absolute must purchase from me. And like, I love the idea of doing the kind of 69 love songs of fake arcade games you know that just seems like so ambitious and crazy so yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to that one <laughs> yeah 69 love songs is a really good reference actually for what i hope this will be and it looks like there's lots of sort of you know lo-fi pixel graphics side scrolling ideas and 50 just different ideas I, I love the idea of just bundling that into i think i can purchase for like 30 quid or however much they want to charge it's just sounds really exciting um and like as you say Derek it's just yeah i'll, I'll just buy anything that he makes <laughs> <laughs> uh another one is uh skin deep also from the kind of indie uh, uh vibe uh that's from blendo games obviously uh, blendo games and and brendan chung is that his name the the, the dev behind that that yes. company uh made games like uh 50 flights of loving and uh, uh 
quadrilateral cowboy uh, games I only like know from hearing Tom Francis talk about them on Great Crowbar and being like, <laughs> oh, what, what the hell is this? It just sounds completely insane. And then kind of perplexedly trying to play through them. I mean, he makes really unusual, um, really wonderful, weird and wonderful games that no one else can quite touch. Um, and Skin Deep is like his take on an immersive sim. Um, yes. Uh, which just looks fantastic. It looks completely insane and completely fantastic. Um, and he's working with Anna Perna on it, which means, you know, he's got a bit of money behind it. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that this one will be, uh, you know, something special. Yeah. Um, quarter, like Quarter of Cowboy was actually like a, almost like the sort of game that it feels like this wants to be. So it was, um, Lots of simulation, lots of kind of physics aspects to it, uh, and actual like lots of it was about programming. You'd unfold a laptop and hack into cameras and and services and try and manipulate them uh, with great precision in order to perform heists. Um, and, but it feels as though, from what I've seen of this one, is that there's just way more interaction available in the environments, and that like. Uh, you can sneeze and that's a thing like <laughs> um you, you could be found out or you could be bleeding out and there's a bar that's like you're bleeding out and then you have to sort of like slide around the environment <laughs> trying to find some blood or some health thing uh and there just seems like loads of loads of what i would say just very no like knowing comedy uh built into uh his games where like if you're like anyone who's like really familiar with those like the fundamental systems of like immersive sim games i think you'll be able to appreciate how he makes fun of them even as he's trying to replicate them and that's what i'm really excited about in skin deep is, is that kind of interesting slight tension uh, but i know i'll be delighted because uh, i know that it his stuff is always funny and also i love his art design of his eye for detail and um character and uh, i think it's it's a it's one of the, the the most promising of this year i would say he's got that excellent vibe around him of being like you know i mean i, I only know his games i don't know what he's like in interviews or as a person or whatever but like no. just that kind of vibe for his work of like i am a weirdo and as a, <laughs> to a certain extent you just have to kind of get on the train with me get on my weird train um and that it, is always going to be someone I'm totally drawn to. It, it's like um, maybe I'm a weirdo, but actually, uh, you know, download this and meet my weird friends I've invented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the joy of it. Like that's yeah, that's yeah. what's so great about it. I think I, I, it's going. I think it. I won't be disappointed. I just know I won't. <laughs> no. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man Two uh, coming out on PlayStation and I'm sure um, PC some point after that. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about the original um, Marvel Spider-Man, uh, you know, sometime last year, and I really loved it. I think it's actually one of the best kind of AAA experiences out there. Um, really, really good game. Really, really good, you know, uh, movement and characters and the writing's really impressive. It takes big choices with its story. Mm. You know, it's really bold, confident um, game design and story design. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super excited about this one, which is obviously I haven't played Miles Morales yet, but I, I take that Miles is going to be you know a bigger part of this game. He's in the trailer, and also Venom, who's one of the best Spider-Man villains in my book. I love a bit of Venom, Absolutely. love yeah. a bit of Colin Colin McFarlane Venom and Carnage <laughs> yeah, and all that kind of right. stuff. It's really Absolutely. good fun, like body horror Spider-Man. So yeah, I mean I, I don't they haven't said much about this game, but I you know very exciting. Um, 
thoughts? I am very excited about this one too. Uh, I'm a lifelong Spider-Man fan and I was delighted by both Spider-Man 2 and uh, the Miles Morales expansion. Uh, I played through both of them. And I love the fact that uh, Miles is in this game and that is kind of where modern Spider-Man in the comics is. Like, you know, you know, it's about Spider-Man is about following a kid from Brooklyn, ultimately, and uh, saving his city of New York. And uh, I always feel as though in the film universe, even though, you know, I love the, uh, you know, where, where they've where they've gone recently, like as soon as it moves out of New York, Spider-Man loses <laughs> something because that character, the core of that character is about neighborhood and is about protecting the neighborhood and just fighting, you know, justice here and there. Um, Venom is, as you say, an actual body horror <laughs> villain that is, uh, is, is my favorite Spider-Man villain from uh, way back when uh, I had it on videotape, uh, the, the three part series of the Spider-Man cartoon where Venom was a villain, um, it, which started with, you know, Venom arriving as a symbiote uh, that attached itself to uh, a spaceman who went to the moon and then came back down to earth and it got into Spider-Man's suit. And I'm like, I don't enjoy the Venom films that they're trying to do, but I think the, the I'm really excited to see what they do with that character or do with that idea for both Miles and Peter Parker, because um, like the, the thing about Venom is that like the symbiote is that it's seductive. And it could attach to either one of them. And that must be a sort of, you know, point of uh, drama for, for, for these characters. And uh, even in spite of that, like the, the mechanics of swinging around fighting, uh, the fighting is very much like a, a Batman Arkham system. But the actual swinging is almost inspired by like the PlayStation 2 era Spider-Man games, which were great. And uh, that that exhilarating feeling of plunging down at extreme speed and then suddenly swooping back up, they, they got it beautifully right in the first game and i will do that again forever in the sequel <laughs> so, uh, that's that's kind of where i am with that one. <laughs> yeah they're also making the wolverine game um which i've mentioned a couple mm. of times on this podcast because i just the idea of insomniac making a uh wolverine game is just very exciting to me that's so yeah really interesting um tone like how uh, what tone do you strike with that like yeah well, yeah, yeah very very interesting i'm I'm hoping mm, they go awesome. like i'm hoping it's like a kind of proper like r-rated take on it like you know i think it'd be really it feels good like for them it to do sort kind of has to be like god god of war yeah it kind of feels like he has to be like those claws he has <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're supposed to matter right um uh, so yeah, coming out quite soon. I think this month is Darkest Dungeon Two. Um, I've played a bit of this in early access. I I bought it on Epic and played it for like a couple of hours and then refunded it because, um, you know, I wanted to wait until it was done. Um, but it's brilliant. It's it's really really good. I mean, Darkest Dungeon Two is already a kind of classic, and Darkest Dungeon uh, sorry Darkest Dungeon One is already kind of classic. Darkest Dungeon Two. Really cleverly, they decided not to try and recreate the experience of of one, um, and they've turned two in two into a run based roguelike. So um, yeah, you, your runs take you know a much shorter amount of time, and like the like eighty hours that you can spend in Darkest Dungeon one, uh, you have a, a team of people. The combat loop is the same, but the kind of meta game is completely different. You're on a carriage driving along these roads. You get to control this carriage. Um, 
and and it's all about at least when I played it one of the main systems is about the relationships between the characters which are emergent so your characters will fall in love with each other and that will give them a, a buff or a nerf depending on how things go giving them extra moves and things like that so actually it's about more than ever it's about the relationship between the characters that you're that you're sort of leading on this dark journey um and yeah it's and also uh, like the the it's beautiful it's like stunning they've they've made sort of 3D-ish versions of all that beautiful Lovecraftian art from the first game. And all of the animations and the lighting and the character models are all absolutely stunning. Like, I don't, I don't have enough hyperbole for how good Darkest Dungeon 2 um, looks. And I know earlier on in Early Access, there were some questions about it. Um, but I've heard that, like, those have been mostly solved through the early access um period i think red hook studios are, are very good at actually using early access as a as as it's properly intended you know and and kind of really getting into conversations with their community so yeah this is coming out in a couple of weeks from now i think and i'm i can't wait to, to get into it and, and be very bad at it no doubt fantastic i i really enjoyed the first game uh, even though it was absolutely terrible at it like i all of my guys went mad or died like i i which is kind of the point like that's kind of the Lovecraftian universe that you're in, but I just couldn't progress at the pace that you know I lost patience before I you know. Uh, so hopefully this one, I don't know. If, uh, do you think they've taken that on board? Is that a regular? I think of- I think I've heard them say exactly that. Like mm. they've made Darkest Dungeon one, and then the, now they and that game still exists, you know, and they'll continue to support it. But this is the game for like for people who bounced off one for whatever right. reason, you know, and it's like, we're going to make the runs much shorter, more intense, but the loop is less, you know, punishing, um, which I think sounds like is a, is a really good way of thinking about it. Yeah. So just less, less time consuming. Time consuming. It's almost like, um, I don't mind failing and using a game and failing to understand the systems and, you know, be good at it. But if it takes up, 50 hours <laughs> then that's yeah. you know uh, a different matter yeah i think a successful run of darkest dungeon 2 is like uh, i'm slightly pulling this number out of my ass but i think it's like might be like less than four hours you know it's like it's it's mm. infinitely shorter so yeah that's, that's great that should be really cool yeah that's, that's uh, awesome. alan wake 2 um wow. <laughs> i don't know when this game is coming actually i can't check the release date on it um i was very unimpressed by alan wake when i played it um i couldn't <laughs> it's really know un- it's very dated i played it back then i haven't touched it since um but and i think remedy are doing this um alan wake um two game i think they're, they're the people behind it um they're just an interesting studio i'm you know i probably won't play this one um but i'm glad you know a weirdo like alan wake is uh, is getting his uh is getting his another time in the sun or in the darkness as it were um <laughs> thoughts on this one um uh, well um i'll ask you a question actually jamie like what put you off the first game what what was it about it like um it might be character world that lynching thing or was it the actual like mechanics of the thing i think it was the mechanics i think i was trying i think i thought i was playing a game from the max Payne devs and so i thought right this is going to be some cool like character action you know uh kind of thing and it, it i mean it was i mean it is that 
but like you're shining a torch around <laughs> and you're using your torch to blow at enemies yeah, while thing. while the lead character sort of intones in this like ridiculous overblown like teenage short story monotone about himself um which i just found intensely annoying um yeah, I just it really rubbed me up the wrong way that game. So, um, kind of all of it then is what you're saying. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 a... couldn't, I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the sort of um, a weird Stephen King pastiche that like goes on and on for twelve hours, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and I I love I like I love Remedy's games. I love Max Payne. Really love Control. Uh, I've, I've played that game through two and a half times. Genuinely. And I can't wait to do, see what they do with them, the rest of the Control universe. The last thing I wanted to see from Remedy was Alan Wake. <laughs> like, why, why is this happening? Like, Yeah, I mean, actually, I'll skip ahead to one of the other games here because I think it's relevant, which is I was really, really excited by the um, Suicide Squad um, game trailer that came out quite recently. Oh, yeah, And that's, yeah. that's the game I referred to earlier that I think has minor potential in being like game of the year or like a re- i think i use the word all-timer and maybe a bit over the top but i know everyone got really annoyed by like them saying and oh, it's got a battle pass in it and all that sort of stuff but i thought that trailer which shows the suicide squad fighting uh, an evil version of the flash um looked really good and kind of gave me the kind of destiny tingles of like big bombastic co-op um experience uh, towards a kind of common goal. I thought it looked great. I thought all the powers looked really punchy and fun. And I thought the narrative stuff, and they've now like confirmed that it is in the sort of Arkham you know, universe of their previous games and that Batman's in it, I think. Um, all that stuff is just super sexy to me. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, it gives me, it gives me tingle feelings in the right places, that one. Um, and maybe I'll, that'll be completely uh, misplaced. But they have been working on that game for, I think, like, eight years um at rocksteady so clearly they've been doing something there so yeah i'm i'm super excited about that one um and maybe maybe i will be uh uh, disappointed by it but for now cautiously super optimistic about it uh rocksteady are immense like the games have been just all good like all great actually and one of the things that they do nail down is the feeling of pressing a button on a controller pad and then punching a dude. And this is one of the things that's like, I think most underestimated about destiny and why that is so persistent is because the guns, the shooting, the like moment to moment, like intrinsic active, like right clicking to focus and then headshot something is perfect and snackable. And it's almost like, popping bubble wrap you know um so i was playing through some uh lightfall earlier today and you know fighting some fallen and they've got like these glowing white uh you know weak spots in their tummies and then you just like pop them one by one by one and i've got a gun where if you hit a critical hit um it they the target explodes and takes out everyone around them and it is just perfect it's absolutely beautifully done and it's responsive and exciting Every single time you do it, it's the Diablo thing, but actually you in you know, translated into the modern era. And if Rocksteady can capture that and also tie in superheroes and have it be an ongoing game, then it 
could be immense. Like it could be massive. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm really hoping for that. Um, yeah, I think if anyone can do that, they can. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lightfall, uh, which you've mentioned, uh, that was on our list, and then that came out um, obviously in, the, in between making the list and recording this episode. Uh, I haven't been able to play Destiny because it's not on Steam Deck, annoyingly, uh, for a while. However, I do enjoy like watching the trailers. They do these like amazing bombastic mm. trailers, and watching like the my, the final like story reveal of the last season, which was really impressive. And like reading around about it, like a moment that they've been like subtly hinting at, even with like yeah. key art from the first game, yeah. uh, like hints at a moment which was then revealed uh, in this uh, in the final moments of this, um, I, you know, this this I, season. I feel like um, <laughs> lots of these sort of lifestyle games are playing checkers, and Destiny is playing chess. Like they're everything that happens has been sort of that it's been grounded in the past. Um, actually, like, I haven't played Destiny for a while because I found it, like, a couple of years ago, I tried to get back into it and bounced off it completely because I found it's, it too impenetrable. Like, the, the different modes, the different styles of play, I would go into a particular activity and I wouldn't be leveled up enough to actually participate. Uh, and I would be punished for that. And then, it, but it, I was never informed about, you know, <laughs> it's a whole new starting up destiny after a couple of years away is a whole new level of big town isn't it it's, it's like, <laughs> really exactly it's, right it's like big solar system uh problem there that's exactly right yeah the big town problem i feel like this is a great robot catchphrase uh so when <laughs> you list this uh big town problem in a big rpg you've just fought your way out of the first dungeon and um you're leveling up your characters and your your party and stuff and then you come into the big town and Baldur's one is the classic version of this where you go to the first big city and there's just too much fucking nonsense <laughs> all around you. There's just too much stuff to it's deal an, with. It's it. an issue. It's a fundamental issue that video games have never been able to solve. That's well. really true. I, I think big town problem is a, is a, a, a <laughs> you know, an endemic like video game issue. Like You can't just bombard the player with too much stuff. You have to, give some guidance Even someone will solve it game. one day and then and then it'll be like the four minute mile like you know, <laughs> once once one person's got past it everyone else will be able to do it <laughs> but it, it's I, I think it, it just keeps happening over and over again with game after game after game and uh, particularly like destiny 2 for me like a year or two ago actually i got massive big time pro- problem syndrome um and it was just, it was just awful. Like, and I was really sad because I played this game so much and I really love it, uh, especially as a way to hang out with my friends. Uh, I like to sort of like, you know, call up Phil and so on and so on, get into a fire team and then go and do a strike or two and just mull around in the open world and, and chat shit. And that for me is a fantastic bit of Destiny social experience. And it it's becomes like it became such a kind of gear grind, um, and the ways to actually get the gear and craft the things that you want became so obscure that I just gave up on it completely. Yeah, it until is until now. Until now, yeah, <laughs> it is very much that previous iteration because I played a bit of it then. Is like go and do this obscure uh, thing, and then pick up this weird consumable item which will be hidden amongst a million other similarly 
icon things in your inventory and then feed it into this big like steampunk machine in this obscure location (laughs) and that will give you five shroot bucks which you can spend (laughs) on like a cosmetic upgrade for one thing and you get enough of that just like come on guys what are you talking about (laughs) and also like uh, the the stuff i love about destiny so like i'm a a bit of a destiny law nerd i really think that there is good sci-fi novel behind destiny like uh the kind of sci-fi novel that is about two thousand words long um <laughs> uh that is kind of a fundamental text behind it that actually interrogates <laughs> metaphysical ideas of what it means to be real <laughs> in the world yeah. as a physical being or what it means to be a spirit or what magic means and what you know uh purpose means and what force means and all of that good stuff and actually uh the thing that ruined Lightfall for me was returning to Destiny and playing uh, the Witch Queen, which is the previous expansion. And that cashes in on loads of stuff that's in uh, a, a fragmented tome called the Book of Sorrows. And I apologize to listeners for getting this deep into the weeds on this, but the Book of Sorrows is uh, has actually been, you know, collated and you can buy it as a tech as a book uh, you know i think it's leather bound uh <laughs> it sh- feels like it should be just bound in human skin because this, this is horrible <laughs> kind of necronomicon basically of the destiny universe about uh the hive which are one of the primary villains and they were drawn into uh adopting worms <laughs> that would give them power and in risk you know if you adopt a worm you have to pay an endless life tithe or blood tithe that you have to kill and conquer uh, or else you die. And uh, the way that Destiny, like throughout its expansions and throughout its lore and throughout, is it's been incredibly consistent and has really continued that line. And the Witch Queen is about like what it's like to be betrayed by that entire life cycle that you your ancestors have bought into. Oh, right. I I could go on. I bang on about this forever, but I think like uh, the Witch Queen is fulfilling. The, there are good missions. There are really really cool like weapon crafting mechanics built into it that I've really enjoyed. I'm still enjoying. Um, and I've found Lightfall a bit lacking so far. Because in Lightfall, you go to uh, Neptune, I believe, and you just talk to a bunch of tech bros. <laughs> <laughs> and their entire society has been uh, uploaded into the web, and they're all digital, basically. And then occasionally, uh, some of them sort of download themselves into bodies that last about 10 years or whatever. Um, but what it, what that means is that nothing matters. <laughs> 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 like, there's nothing at stake. Like, they're, they're, they're going to be fine. Like, they're all digitized. Like, they, they could be just you know they try and say that you know if we destroy the cloud arc or you know the the centralized location where all of that data is is kept look like five years ago destiny i went into a hive god's mind palace and refuted him logically therefore (laughs) killing him it's like you know once you've done that like this thing is just not like the stakes are so so low <laughs> yeah anyway i uh i don't know like that <laughs> um 
have you played any Destiny, Jamie? Going to get you into it? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I like. I haven't played it for a couple of years now. I think the last um, expansion I played was Beyond Light, but I think I've played all of them, all of the ones of Destiny two up to then. I haven't played any of the ones of Destiny one. I love it. I, I love. I love. I love shooty bang bangs and uh, oh, it's shooting. extremely good. The shooting in Destiny is great. I love all the preposterous cosmic nonsense that goes on. Uh, you know, I, it's actually quite fun not knowing who anyone is in Destiny because, like, a thing will happen in the plot, and a guy will step off a spaceship or whatever, and everyone will be like, <gasps> and you just you just be sort of like almost like smoking a cigarette out the window, going like, "What's the big deal?" Like, "Oh, sorry, I'm supposed to care about this guy," but I quite like that. I quite like that vibe of being like you know, going to a gig of a band you don't really care about and everyone's going crazy <laughs> and you're just like, well, yeah, they're only all right, you know. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping uh, to be able to get back into it uh, soon because I'll always, like, I'll always ha- I will always think they're a bit too expensive. I think they've, they've yes. maybe learned their lesson from, like, last year where they were like, you know, pay us a bunch of money to unlock this one dungeon that, you know, I think that their, their payment model is a little bit iffy, I think. Um uh, but yeah, I, I you know I'll, I'll always I, I love that Destiny's there. I love that they keep doing it. I'm also interested in like I know they're doing another game now. Um, mm. I don't know what that is, but you know they've got such an interesting pedigree, and it'd be nice to see them, you know, going back to um, you know an original idea of, their, of theirs rather than it being you know Bungie uh, being a Halo or, or Destiny or anything like that. So yeah, that'd be good because obviously yeah. they had this sort of pre-Halo career of this kind of mad <laughs> in software sort of. Um, Rival studio for Max, and yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they're able to sort of yeah, get back bring into that back well a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple more games. Uh, Telltale Games are sort of back somehow. Um, somehow Telltale Games survived, and uh, two games are The Wolf Among Us Two and another one called Star Trek Resurgence, which isn't a Telltale game, but it's by. Um, X uh, Telltale Telltale devs, I think. I never played The Wolf Among Us one, but I hear it's like one of the best Telltale games. Um, and certainly, this trailer for number two looks very um, beautiful, if nothing else. Um, yeah, I, I mean, think... I always associate Telltale games with slightly clunky um, mm. movement and interface. And I never played The Walking Dead one, which everyone says is the best. I think I, I think I played the um, Back to the Future one, which was awful, <laughs> um, mm. and sort of slightly got my fingers burnt by that. So yeah, I'd, I'll be interested to see what you think about this uh, Wolf Among Us 2 thing. Yeah, so I've been burned by almost every one of these games I've played, <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, the Walking Dead one was fantastic. Like, it was spectacular. Just great writing fantastic sort of payoffs i mean when i say fantastic like uh, as i was like celebratory it's like you know emotionally involved like actually i felt genuine stuff when these things resolved depending on my choices um uh, the wolf among us was one of the better ones i think it's probably is the second uh, the, the be- best one after um the walking dead but it kind of wasn't that good. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and it, it kind of, it was a kind of noir murder mystery, basically. And uh, it's difficult to talk about. I don't want to spoil anything, but I feel as though you need the kind of like inspiration and writing energy behind the first Walking Dead game. To translate, apparently the Borderlands game is great. By the way, um, yeah, uh, which I've not played, and apparently that is uh, lots of people say that's one of the best ones. Uh, 
and these games are so dependent on writing because as you say jamie there isn't that mechanical intrigue that there isn't the the quick time clicking on bits and pieces and sliding across on your ipad it's rubbish like it's none of it is good and what you're actually in there for is for a basically like choose your own adventure game in the the oldest fashion like actually you want to have conversations and have them matter and if they cut out all of the sort of silly action sequences i would prefer it i think Yeah, I think that sounds about right to me. Uh, um, I mean, you know, they've reformed, obviously, in a kind of new, a new, you know, take on the studios. But I also think, you know, the way that they um, fell apart was a little bit unfair on their employees. So it'll be interesting. I don't quite know how they're necessarily related to the old form of Telltale, but it'll, mm. you know, maybe maybe they're able to sort of build back better to use a. Is that a Brexit, oh, pro-Brexit phrase? I don't know why I said that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the other one is Star Trek Resurgence, which is a like from X Telltale people, I think. I don't quite know what to make of this. It looks like a sort of <laughs> yeah. machinima um, Star Trek fan movie from the footage <laughs> that we watch. Um, but, you know, that might be, you know, that might mean that it's it's sort of hiding something really interesting. So, uh, Jamie, yeah. you've, you've already nailed it. But, <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, I'm going to keep my eye on that one because, uh, you know, you never know. It might be interesting. Well, the thing uh, is, though, uh, what I'd say is that Star Trek is, uh, like, such a such good territory for, like, Bioware to jump on and sort of do a really cool, uh, like, TNG-era, you know, moral, moralistic play across, uh, you know, three planets, you know. that Star Trek is sitting there for anyone to tap into and if you're going to go in there and tap into it it can't be a shooting game <laughs> it's because star trek is not a shooting uh experience it has to be a sort of rpg it has to be about you know science fiction proper science fiction <laughs> i don't know yeah so so this form of it where they've done a kind of adventure game sort of telltale thing but maybe maybe it really good i mean there is a version of um like what they do with the Dark Pictures anthology, where they could oh, have yeah. a kind of, you know, a Star Trek version of that, maybe, where you're having yeah, kind of that sort of planet and then um, Yeah, because you're right, like, the, the Star Trekking is is really about, like, you know, um, occasionally militaristic scientists in space, isn't it? That's kind of the vibe of it. Like, mostly they're just there to observe and, and not intervene and stuff like that. And, and it's very hard yeah, for video games, very hard like, for video games to do that, because video games are just really excited to... Um, Put guns in your hands that you have to, you know, actually hand to hand fight a Klingon. <laughs> there <laughs> every is that five um, minutes. There is that Star Trek, uh, like Unreal Tournament like game, isn't there? Do you remember that yeah. one? Uh, yeah, where you're sort of like running around, like lasering the Vulcan guy from um, Voyager in the face uh, <laughs> on a giant <laughs> uh, map. Uh, <laughs> Hyperlight Breaker. We talked about this a bit uh, last time we were yeah, talking. Uh, looks really fantastic. I just love Heartbleed. I love their music. I love their style. Um, they haven't released much about this actually, uh, beyond the fact that it's like roguelike and procedurally generated open world, which are obviously like you know it makes a, lo- a lot of people, I'm sure, will kind of raise their eyebrows at that. Go, is it really those things, or is it just going to be like kind of more procedural porridge? But again, I just think it's really, uh, really exciting because I just there there's no one quite like them. Yeah, I love the art style. I love the developers i love you know pipe lights so 
yeah, auto buy for me. Cook serve forever. Now I see um, yeah. you playing cook serve delicious popping up on uh, on Steam that's every now and me. again. Is that, that not is you? My, that's my wife. <laughs> that's your wife, right? She, okay. Uh, Emma, Emma loves it. I, I love it yeah. too. Like I played it. Um, we've tried to play the cooking games together. Like in uh, this particular game, doesn't have that capacity, but there are other. Like I think this one, the Switch, that is kind of like a kind of calamity cooking game where you barge around a kitchen and try and cook things in time um and <laughs> it just didn't go well no uh, <laughs> but the, um the, yeah Emma, Over, was, overcooked overcooked that one's that's that, exactly right yeah, it's overcooked that's right that's right um uh but yeah emma loves these games and uh it's just a sort of it's kind of like a cookie cookie clicker game i think the latest one so we're set in like the post-apocalypse <laughs> where <laughs> you were sort of like frying burgers with like a burnt out city in the background. And then was like, yeah, yeah I want to cook these fucking burgers. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, the many hours you see on my account, uh, are not mine, but I would play that game a lot because it looks so, you know, Moorish and yeah, more of that good, good stuff, you know. Yeah, it looks beautiful as well, this one. Like, they've really yeah. stepped up the graphics. It's got this, like, beautiful anime manga kind of vibe to it. Um, and, yeah, it just looks, like, really beautifully detailed and wonderful. So I'll definitely be having a go on this one. I've, like, I've played a bit of um, Cook, Serve, Delicious. And it is a, a really particular kind of satisfaction that that game delivers of, like, anticipating how many hot dogs someone's going to want yes, exactly. uh, when they arrive at your counter. Uh, and having them ready and the buns all ready as well. Like, it's and just I, such, such a strange thing to make a video game out, but it makes so much sense when you play it's, it. It's, be- it's beautiful. Like, uh, I, I think of an earlier one, but like actually preparing the pizza bases ahead yeah. of time, like getting three in the oven. And then <laughs> these guys come in, it's like, yeah, cheese, cheese, mushrooms, bacon, bosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Off you go. Win, win, win. <laughs> it's great. Absolutely. Sentry, <laughs> uh, this one was new to me. I think maybe this was one someone on the Discord mentioned this one. This is like a sci-fi space, um, uh, sort of you're on a spaceship. It's got a sort of cell-shaded look to it. And people come into your um, spaceship and try and attack you, basically. And I think it's a sort of a online multiplayer team-based thing. But it just looks really cool. Like, it looks retro. It's got a sort of retro-futuristic vibe to it. Um, I always liked those moments in Unreal Tournament when you were playing, you know, team deathmatch and there's oh, like yeah. a big choke point corridor where everyone's shooting at each other and it all goes crazy. And this looks like it's very much um, uh, set stuff. up to kind of simulate that experience. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've got anything to say on that one. I, it's, I, it looks really interesting. Uh, I've, no. I've had exactly the same feeling as you like about that one. <laughs> it, it, it's just, I want to play it basically based on what, what I saw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, skate story, which is this is like the skating sim- yeah. skating simulator set in hell, like a Tony Hawk kind of style thing. Uh, looks really fascinating. Um, yeah, really beautiful art style. Um, kind of like it looks a bit like um, Hyper Demon oh. uh, with the kind of colors and the sort of weird fractal color type thing. Like this sort of vision of hell, which is sort of um, you know kind of really uh, crystalline. And uh, sort of unusual, yeah. It looks, yeah. looks really uh, interesting. It reminds me of like uh, this is such a weird, uh, you know, crossing of streams. But this is like thumper for skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, that yeah. is kind of the thing that they're doing and i love it <laughs> and i like that's such a cool idea also uh, like there's so much ground to be made with new games that actually tap into skateboarding culture which yeah. is such a friendly fun culture like i used to skateboard as a kid and i could just barely do a kickflip but everyone you meet it's just really nice <laughs> it's kind of yeah. relaxed and chill and the idea of like sort of bringing that into an uh, you know a kind of crystalline actually i'm not sure how i feel about it it's good I'm, I'm very interested in this one um yeah it's interesting isn't it because i think there's a there's like it looks to me like they're using like tony hawk controls and yeah. like control which i hope they do right because I've never been able to get into any other skate games. Um, I always think Tony Hawk is just, you know, it's got the best control scheme ever, yeah. probably. And like, I, I, I often think, well, why isn't that just taken up wholesale by everyone? Because there's so much more stuff you can do if you just take that as your control system and then, you know, expand everything else and change everything else. You know, it's not like anyone else tries to change the control scheme for a first-person shooter. Like that was basically mm. decided upon by by consensus 25 years ago and hasn't really changed at all since. It won. Yeah, it's won. Yeah, yeah, it won. It's just like, it's the best one. And so, like, I always think, oh, I'd love it if they, in these, you know, in one of these skate games, there's a few, been a few indie skate games that have come out. I'm always like, oh, please just be Tony Hawk because I can play Tony Hawk. And if I can play Tony Hawk, I can play this. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah. it'll have that to it. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, I also just love being overwhelmed. Like senses being overwhelmed is something I always want games to do, and like Thumper does that beautifully. Yeah, and like if they can make it an absolute, you know, if it's it's one of those things where I kind of, uh, you know, feel like I'm sort of slightly tripping on it. I'm always I'm always up for that. <laughs> I think uh, the reason why I tripped over myself a few minutes ago is that I really want the Thumper skate game. <laughs> I I really do want that, and um and for it uh, and. What that means is it, that it has to be like very like inhuman, and the, as you said, the crystalline, uh, tingling, shattering sounds, and the, the sort of intensity of it isn't the vibe of going down to a skate park or just you know trying to ollie over a uh, or trying to grind uh, a curb or whatever. And uh, <laughs> what I want is is two very different games. I very much want this one to be exactly what I just described: that crystalline thumper experience in like challenging your senses um but i really want other games that uh do the other thing where you you, you get to sort of like do the very sort of technical difficult things that escape product is really fucking hard <laughs> it's really difficult yeah. um <laughs> well i guess that's and, why it's famous for having such a warm community around it because it's so hard everyone fails and, and everyone's yeah. falling over and spraining their ankles and you know yeah, cracking their bollocks over <laughs> sort of need <laughs> yeah, a, a community yeah. to sort of yeah i mean i follow so many um, actually, one of my f- most followed uh, on Twitter in account you know, in account thread is actually like uh, I think it's called Thrasher, and there, there's a bunch of like skateboarders kind of putting out their own homemade videos, which is the the craft of the thing. That's the point. Yeah. Like, um, and just watching them, and they, they always like leave in their fuck ups. And that's what I love about that culture. <laughs> like, yeah, that they, they like everyone is trying and failing, and this is very uh, this very difficult and ultimately very trivial thing. And that is actually 
a joy in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I really I like agree. it. I agree. No, I think that's very well put. Uh, the Plucky Squire. This is new to me. Um, mm. It is coming out on Switch. One of those games, I would say, where it you can't quite believe how beautiful it is. Mm. Like the art style and the animation uh, may be influenced by Cuphead. It has a kind of hand-drawn kind of style to it and it looks like it consists of lots of sort of um mini games and mini systems but involves like jumping in and out of three dimensions into like what looks like plasticine models yeah like uh, and like just amazing i don't really know what it's going to be like um but it looks from the trailer at least completely amazing and like if they can pull off this like having five or six different kinds of game in one game um, all set in a sort of universe, then I will be super impressed by it. Yeah, it looks fantastic. I just really want to play it. Like, yeah, what, yeah. what does it feel like to actually press the buttons and do the things? Yeah, it feels like a game that's kind of taken that moment from Mario Odyssey where you're sort of jumping between dimensions and then mm. expanded that into like jumping between 3D Mario and, and, and NES Mario and turned that into a whole vibe. So yeah, I think that's that's a super exciting one, that. Yeah. Um, plus, being about a, a a plucky squire is just a very good title. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song. Um, oh yes. Obviously, this has been very, very long in development. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, like maybe you should talk about this one. Like, uh, you know, I've I've played a fair bit of Hollow Knight, and I kind of yeah, I'm really excited for this. But you know, how are you feeling about it? I am incredibly excited, but like, there's a story there behind how long this has taken, and I think that will probably come out. I'm not in the games media uh, at the moment, but um, hopefully, people have sort of having chats about you know how how has this happened because you made Hollow Knight is incredible. It's the best modern Metroidvania apart from Metroid. <laughs> um, and it's it's a beautiful game that sort of draws on is it's melancholic and moody, but also once you get a few upgrades, an exciting combat game, and it's a tremendous achievement. And it feels as though Silk Song should have been out like last March <laughs> or February, you know. And just capitalising on all of that 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 success and greatness. And I feel as though maybe I, I really hope I'm wrong. That the game has lost momentum, like uh, at this stage, for being so long released, it's the uh, at the stage where actually Hollow Knight feels like an old game, and it's not. It's cut. It's, it's a cutting edge, brilliant piece of work, and um, I really want to celebrate the people who made this because it's it's a beautiful game. But there is this sort of lag. This lag has sort of you know. At this point, should it be an expansion or should it be a sequel? And there's the kind of like marketing aspect, like uh, angle on this that I'm thinking about. Like, actually, I want this game and franchise to succeed and have sequels and go beyond and so allow the developers to do whatever they want to do. Um, but it feels as though Silk Song has just missed the mark, it's missed the beat. Well, they, they announced it super early, didn't they? And I yeah. think they did that because it was part of uh, you know their Kickstarter, a Kickstarter, 
you know, stretch goals was to do a DLC. So I think they were probably, their hand was forced there where they had to say, no, we're not going to do a DLC. We're going to do a whole sequel and here it is. And then I think that probably, that probably screwed them a little bit. I mean, yeah, they're such a unique studio and they're kind of, Hollow Knight, even though it's a sort of very true Metroidvania, it sort of feels out on its own really in terms of like, the sort of world that it builds um and they're sort of a genre unto themselves in a, in a way so yeah i'll be interested to see uh i'll definitely play it when this comes out um i think i think yeah hopefully hopefully it's not down to lag and it's just that they're they made so much money from the first game that they can take their time over well, releasing the second one for sure hopefully yeah. um yeah but you never know yeah it might have been you know it's just two guys making it it's a big a big game to make and to kind of one up on the second game. And you can imagine that it's, uh, uh, yeah, a, a pretty tr- tricky prospect to follow. Difficult um, second album. Yep. Yeah. Uh, tactical breach wizards from <laughs> suspicious uh, developments. Oh, what's um, that? Well, it is the new game from Tom Francis, uh, maker of games such as heat signature and gunpoint. Um, we don't know when this is coming out. He's been uh, Tom has been saying on YouTube recently uh, that he's you know it's getting getting there. So I'm not saying I know when this game's going to come out. Um, but uh, just as a pure fanboy, I'm super excited about it. It looks wicked. I haven't played any of the like betas that have come out. Uh, yeah, it's his kind of take on a Into the Breach type game, um, and it just looks great. And I, also, one of the reasons I'm really excited about this one is because it looks like it's got loads of really funny writing in it. Which kind of took a Tom's an amazingly funny writer, I think, and uh, that kind of took a backseat in Heatsig, which kind of you know very intentionally kind of made its writing kind of very subtle and very backgrounding. But in here, it looks like it's much more a game with like a story and dialogue options, and even in the trailer, there's just loads of really funny jokes and bits and pieces which you can hear sort of tom's voice behind you know someone being smashed through a window and going oh come on you know (laughs) one of the moments there which is just totally great so yeah i'm just i'm just super stoked to play this as and when it comes out um yeah i'm kind of glad you put this in the list jamie actually because like often we sort of steer away from talking about our friends who make games so that we're not sort of muddying the waters but there's no need for that for this for this one like uh, Tom is so such a funny writer. Like he's such a funny person to be around. Like and always hangs out with them. Like he's he's fun, uh, just a fantastic person, and a great designer. And it's just the idea of his sense of humor and intelligence combining with a kind of uh, a turn based tactical, uh, like arena based game is just fantastic and. All I can say is <laughs> uh, I've worked with Tom and, you know, everyone who listens knows like that we, you know, Tom, but this looks fantastic. I, w- I also would like to say like that the artwork like John Roberts is, I think is one of uh, the principal artists on the thing. Just as just fantastic stuff. Like the design of like, what a cool brief. Uh, imagine if you're a wizard and you're also a SWAT team. <laughs> now off you go into a 3D environment, and it looks fun. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like gush too much because you know it feels a bit silly, given that we know him. But like, it's true. Like, it's just true. Well, the application of 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 a high vis jacket onto a wizard, <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just inspired. I mean, you just yeah. <laughs> you just can't fault it. Um, 
so yeah, no, I I can't I can't wait for this one. It's uh, it's going to be great, I'm sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Cocoon, uh, the marble game that me and Marsh were trying to remember a while back. This is the game made by the other dude from Play Dead. Uh, oh, yeah. So one of them went off and made that game that really annoyed me. Um, uh, the sort of cinematic platformer that I got really cross about a puzzle on on this podcast. And then this one's gone and made this game, Cocoon, which is like a weird cinematic platformer, I guess, kind of, mm. where you play a weird beetle that emerges from a, you know, a really kind of gross uh, orifice <laughs> at the start of the trailer. And it is a game about m- moving marbles round on into sort of sockets and stuff like that in a kind of puzzle style. Looks completely mad, but I will, you know, I will stand those play dead guys forever because I think, you know, yeah. inside and, and, and limbo are both kind of masterful. So yeah, I'll be really interested in this one. It looks really weird. Thoughts? Do you, do, do you detect any of the sort of, you know, um, the ideas behind like inside or the you know the previous games in this one like why is it like a physics puzzle thing <laughs> yeah i all i all i kind of glean from this trailer is like a real dedication to the concept which actually mm. wasn't in that other game which name i can't remember that i got <laughs> really annoyed about uh, which is on game pass but like just a, it just seems like it's a it's got it's the product of a really determined mind who has, you know, it just seems really authored and altered. Okay. And obviously you can't tell that from a trailer, but like inside is such an intentional game yeah. that heads to a, it's such a kind of um, point <laughs> to say it lightly. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> that I'm just, I that is a moment in video gaming, which I'm uh, always yes. looking to recreate. And I hope that this guy, that last game sort of fluffed it really with, with um, the other game uh slightly fluffed it but this one I'm, I'm just hoping it doesn't and i'm just hoping for fireworks one way or another yeah we're having to talk around this stuff slightly because as listeners like we obviously don't want to just blow everything up but do you play inside it's like four hours and the end is a thing you won't forget <laughs> is what i would say uh skull and bones the ubisoft pirate yes. game <laughs> you excited about this one Tom? super excited well you know, I love uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and that was a very good game that Ubisoft made. And would then, you like a whole game of one bit of it? <laughs> I would like it if there was good co-op and good kind of, you know, actually good stuff to do together with friends that actually felt progressive, like not progressive in terms of like like materially, in terms of getting more powerful, getting cool loot, and that's one of the things that. The the pirate genre, as it is an emerging genre, um, I think has lacked actually. Like, you get a better ship, get a better hat, get a nice, you know, eye patch, get a good yeah. parrot. Not too much to ask. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Sea of Thieves is um, yeah. very much like a rare game, isn't it? It's very yeah. individual and very like it's got its own sense of humour and its own like. You know, I love. I've loved what I've played of that game because it is. It does feel so idiosyncratic and just, just really individual. But it's not an attempt to do like a kind of proper, grand, like faintly serious pirate game, um, where you're, you know, you're actually behind the musket and stuff like that. So I think mm. if Skull and Bones, and they've been making it for so long, but like, I think if yeah. Skull and Bones can can provide a bit of that, it'll be really interesting. Yeah, because uh, see if these was fantastic in 
for for about I would say three or four sessions, and then the game ended for me. Uh, yeah. It might be because <laughs> like I was on a, like a magazine and a website writing about games and had to sort of like generate new experiences from different games. But I think there's something more lacking there. Like there's there's something about we had good fun, uh, you know, sailing the high seas, putting someone in the brig. And then, you know, whacking him and feeding him lamb or I can't even remember what <laughs> the hell you can do with those guys. Um, Just, you know, like pirates do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pirate stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> so a, a historical uh, yeah. uh, pirate nonsense. Uh, but the idea of like that sort of thing that's very playful, but also has some sort of, hey, we've got better cannons now. And um, like I'm almost shouting, like my, I feel my past self shouting at me, like saying, "No, this kind of like endless leveling up progression is actually really like you know disregards game mechanics. Actually, takes you away from what you're actually doing moment to moment, and actually you know it makes it easier for you to just have basic hitting systems and then put in a big sort of rat race uh, system. No, I like I think that game needed that like see if these needs that um and if ubisoft can create that sort of like uh that progression with progression and also while allowing that playfulness of just being able to drop into a game very quickly have a fun time for half an hour then oh dinner's ready off you go (laughs) that's fine Uh, yeah yeah I'm just looking at the Wikipedia article, and it's talking mm. about the multiple changes in direction and scope during development. Oh, God. Um, uh, exceeding its mul- budget multiple times. Initially set in the Caribbean, it was moved to the fantastical Hyperborea, then finally the Indian Ocean, which I really like. Like, you start <laughs> okay. off development, like, you set it in... Back into set reality. In, yeah, yeah, like, let's go to space, to a planet made of, 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 of fruit and candy. No, no, actually, the Indian Ocean is fine. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Poor guys. Oh, okay. Well, alarm bells is what I was saying. <laughs> Slight alarm bells there. Uh, Slay the Princess. This looks really interesting. This is like a kind of uh, visual novel puzzle type game, which I believe had a demo out. This is one of the ones suggested by the community. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to play this. It looks really weird. It's like a you're sort of going to say, slash slay a sort of sexy princess who may be a sort of Lovecraftian beast. Um, and this is exactly the kind of like small loop narrative game uh, I love to play. So yeah, I think this looks really interesting. Yeah, uh, agreed. That looks really cool. I will play it when it's on my iPad. I can <laughs> lie down on my couch and yeah. There was a there was another game that I played. Oh, there was another game that I played a demo of in the in the recent Steam demo fest. Uh, I'm just finding it in our list here. Where is it? Oh yeah, it's called The Wolf of Derevinia, which the trailer of which has 30 views on YouTube. So I'm hoping that more people oh, wow. can have a look at that one. Which I it's again it's like a kind of choose your own adventure, maybe kind of sorcery ish type game. Cool. Um, with uh, you know you're sort of going off to slay a wolf in the forest. Uh, I really liked the writing. I thought the writing was really good. So I'm, I'm keeping my eye on that one too. There wasn't much there, but what was there was like really interesting, like prose. Um, so yeah, oh, I'm interested. I was kind of- wonder like what's the best way to promote the like these really cool fiction games, like interactive fiction uh, games. Like I, I, I almost like if I'm logging into Steam and it thinks I know that I like uh, you know Persona Five, for example. It, 
like these like really you know small price games like like why isn't it serving that stuff up like why isn't google serving this stuff up and this stuff just gets buried and that's kind of a bit sad if uh, there's like really good writing and really good intrigue yeah it it is a shame i mean obviously there's a lot of crap out there um which is quite hard to sift through but there's a lot of amazing stuff out there and i I think that's you know i've been someone who's kind of been watching the sort of you know interactive fiction scene for years really like back from when i first got the internet there was already a bunch of text adventure games that were only a couple of kilobytes you know so you could easily easily download and play them and it's always been such a challenge to be able to you know, find what the good ones are. And, you know, there's there's plenty of people who are willing to tell you that. But, like, those groups have now, like, uh, you know, because of the way things have gone on Steam in the last 10 years, like, lots of those people are now making, you know, slightly more ambitious, um, you know, games. And I do do wish, you know, it was easier to find the good ones because if you go on itch and type in visual novel, you'll get a lot of stuff and... You know, uh, it's quite hard to find the good ones. I mean, I can't remember. If I, I can't remember if I put it in the list, but the new, um, uh, the new game visual novel set in the Fallen London universe oh, um, is also coming out this year, um, which is written by Emily Shaw, and that looks that looks really great. And obviously, that's like that's a kind of dating simmy visual novel. I love the Fallen London setting. Yes. Um, Ma- Mas- Mask of the Rose, I think it's called. It looks great. The art's beautiful. Her writing is always really, really good. Um, and obviously that's a kind of form of it where they've obviously, you know, they've released plenty of games before and they've got much more sort of machinery behind them, steampunk machinery behind them. Um, <laughs> I agree that I wish there was um, a bit more um, accessibility for games of that ilk. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the pipe dream is to write an island for the fallen London universe, uh, I think. And my other dream is to see a review of such a game in a mainstream newspaper <laughs> or you know a publication, you know wherever you get your culture newspaper. Yeah, it feels like feels like though that's deserved, doesn't it? Like people are happy to read a book. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Why, I mean, like, there's, 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 there's been a few IFE kind of games that come out, you know, and, and Disco Elysium has a bit of that in there. But, like, there is no reason. And, you know, obviously Sam Harris, not Sam Harris, so Sam Barlow uh, has his sort of take on this too. But it does feel like there is something to be said for the concept of text and hypertext as a storytelling method that there's still, you know, stuff that deserves a bit more of a, a mainstream success. Yeah, I like I mean, ah, I can bang on about this, but like, um, Disco Elysium and, you know, some Telltale games and lots of other genre fiction video games that should just be in mainstream papers and mainstream, you know, uh, and, yeah. They'll get there. It's, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> we'll like, see. it's getting better, I think. Um, it's just, it's such a, it's such a saturation point at the moment that I think people are still reckoning with like what they're actually supposed to feel about these things. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. Thirsty suitors. I'm uh, I'm excited about this one. I I watched this trailer. Someone suggested this in the Discord. I watched this trailer. Uh, went from going, oh my god, that, this is such an annoying title, like oh no, uh, to absolutely loving it and feeling like it's a must play by the end of the trailer. Which is like <laughs> this is another like visual novel uh, type game, but with like a really looks like really like um uh, uh 
kind of dense, not dense, but like quite complex mechanical system for how you deal with your thirsty suitors. Mm. And you, you basically go into a sort of mind palace with them and battle in a kind of JRPG <laughs> style. That's and that, fantastic. And that, that Beth battle is you attempting to kind of reconcile your relationship with these people and like the finishing move for this um, young, like South Asian guy. Uh, one of the developers is there is to like bring in his mother to <laughs> come and uh, like criticize him. And that's the thing that like shuts him down. Uh, yeah. It look, it looks completely bonkers, completely mad, but actually really good. Um, and it's made by a, a really, a, a, you know, uh, a, a, a new development team who just seem like they're making absolutely the weird game they want to make. So yeah, like dating game with battle uh, stuff in there. I, I, I urge, people, like, urge people to watch. Yeah. It looks great. Active time battle system. It looks great. <laughs> I urge, urge people to watch the uh, trailer for that one. Um, <laughs> uh atlas fallen this is one of the other shooty bang uh kind of sci-fi games uh looks interesting slash not interesting (laughs) um what do you did you see this one tom i did and it looks like all the other ones (laughs) yeah all right we're moving on you, you've got to yeah moving on yeah quite rightly that's the instinct it's because you look at it it's like well I've seen this, but less interesting. Like this is less interesting than Destiny. Like it, again, I don't mean to make Destiny the sort of pinnacle of this sort of genre, but you have to have something. Like that's, there's got to be some sort of unique thing about that, that uh, spark of imagination that would attract new people into it. And no, nothing here. Nothing here. Uh, Planet of Lana. This is like a cinematic platformer. Uh, which has a kind of Studio Ghibli kind of look to it. Um, this looks very pretty. I probably not so interested in playing this one. I think I don't know. I think there's a kind of forest sort of pastoral vibe that I get a little bit tired of quite quickly, like the sort of Ori and the Blind Forest kind of thing. Like I, yeah. for some reason, that doesn't quite click with me for being in a sort of jungle. Uh, you know, landscape with some sad animals, um, it, it, and, and it feels like and the theme and the theme of hope. And like, ah, I don't need the theme of hope in a forest. I'm fine. I feel like it's going to be on Xbox Game Pass <laughs> come February next year, maybe. Yeah, is that kind yeah. of vibe? Is that again? Like, there's got to be a spark. There's got to be something that attracts you. Yes, interesting and different. Rift of the Necrodancer. I'm super excited for this one. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, this one looks really great. It's great that they're doing... Because I think that studio kind of semi-broke up, um, or at least mm. kind of fragmented a little bit, and then they at least one of the people <laughs> from behind Rip, uh, Crypt of Necrodancer um, is, is, is back involved with this. It just looks great. Um, I've been playing uh, uh, the Rhythm Heaven games recently uh, oh. on emulation, and those are fantastic. Like if, if people listening haven't played those, I really urge you to find a copy and listen and play those. Cause they're just amazing rhythm games, which just are like a really good way to induce joy in yourself. You know, the way that they force you to sort of syncopate with the beat, mm. um, on some mad thing, like a couple of fleas da- bouncing up and down on a, on a spring or some monkeys uh, slapping a hand that goes around a watch. All that sort of stuff is really great. And it looks like, um, though they explicitly like reference Rhythm Heaven in the, in the trailer for Rift of the Necrodancer, uh, along with it being having a kind of guitar hero thing. And it just awesome. looks really polished and shiny. And I like the 
Necrodancer vibes yeah. and art style. So yeah, I think this looks good fun. Yeah, looks splendid. Um, I love the Necrodancer for sort of um, turning the fundamental silliness of having to move one square on a grid <laughs> in the roguelike um, and then allow your enemies to move one squ- like one square towards you and turning that into beat rhythm game genius yeah. just an absolutely genius combination of ideas and i will play anything they do next like you play with a dance mat as well that's quite, I, like that, I certainly will and <laughs> i'll set up my webcam and get the <laughs> my actual yeah, sort of dye your hair purple and get on twitch again um, who get involved be it, become an influencer <laughs> <laughs> one thing I think people, <laughs> one thing I don't think people don't um, know about Crypto for Necrodancer is that you can turn the um, need to move on the beat off, and then it's just a really good traditional roguelike game, um, which is just really fun to play and is still a really worthwhile experience. You can still have the yeah, music on; you but, just don't have to move in time to it. <laughs> but Jamie, what what then would I do with my dance mat? Absolutely, your dance mat is invalid, oh, null no. and void dance mat. Fold it up in the <laughs> yes. bin. Set it on fire, watch all the notes fly out of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. This looks great. I think this yeah. is either out or about to come out because um, the reviews have come up recently. It's from the people who made Neo. It is like a Sekiro like take on, uh, you know, a kind of their version of the Souls like formula, I guess. I haven't played either of the Neo games, but they look wicked. And yeah, this looks like a really kind of spiky Sekiro type. Uh, game so yeah thoughts tom i know you're a big sekiro head e, i i love sekiro and uh yep yeah, i've got it preloaded i'm ready to play it this weekend that's going to be uh my mornings between chores and you know cleaning up the house and stuff i'm going to be you know chopping demons or whatever the hell this game is about really um yes it looks really really sharp i really like the a lot of the trainings that they put out are 60 frames a second. Like you can actually see that this thing is designed to run a clip. Um, and for action games, and particularly like you know, close combat action games, that's super you know appealing to me because uh, I know that that tends to mean they pay lots of attention to um, hit frames and where your shots actually land, where your chops actually land, and when you're blocking all the all of that good stuff. Um, yeah, so it looks really good. Uh, I think I reviewed Scare for PC Gamer um, years ago, and it's one of the. F- I think it was the first From Software game I reviewed, and it's a kind of rite of passage because all of the additional kind of player hints that are left on the floor throughout the game do not exist because you're in a kind of press environment when you're playing this. So you are alone um, and going to Skira alone. Um, like one of my favorite articles that I wrote, um, I'm very happy that they let me publish it, is, uh, was called Fuck This One Bot in Particular. Um, and it was, an, it was a giant ape. And uh, I published it like a couple of weeks after review and, uh, you know, tried to keep, spoils away because obviously people are discovering it um but the f- kind of tremendous combination of 
frustration and then eventual joy that came out of that immense boss fight uh, was worthy of just like it's was just so good like it had to be captured um so i had to write you know an article about it somehow uh and i really like any game that's attempting to create this type of experience i i feel as though that should be the north star that should be the thing that you're aiming for is to create this kind of um if you're trying to make it like a difficult game uh, something that where when you come out of it, it's not because you receive a good hat or a good shoulder pad. It's because the actual act of conquering the challenge is in and of itself precious and fun and exciting and something that you can feel glad about once you kind of turn your PS5 off and do some dishwashing or whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know it's yeah like, uh, that's what it comes down to really yeah yeah no i think that's that's absolutely right and it looks like wolong is is very much going for those vibes so hopefully yeah hopefully you can report back next week and we can see how you got that one uh Flintlock, The Siege of Dawn. This sort of slightly pales in comparison to Wolong. <laughs> I mean, it looks like another sort of Soulsy um, action adventure RPG. Um, you know, a little bit anonymous looking in this list, um, but I guess I guess you never know. Um, it certainly looks very pretty. I'll and play it's it. Got, I mean. It's got muskets and magic in it, and that's a good mix. I like muskets, muskets and magic. magic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a new genre. Uh Homeworld 3. Now, I have to turn to you on this one. I've got no real idea what Homeworld is beyond it being, I believe, a RTS, space-based RTS game from about 20 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, Homeworld and Homeworld 2 are at, you know, absolutely essential RTS games. Um, for anyone who's gotten into RTSs, is it a space-born uh, RTS where it's actually also a three-dimensional uh, combat environment which is difficult to navigate uh, compared to other ones for example like your total annihilations um total wars or any of the other sort of like the age of empires everything's on 2d plane your home worlds are on a 3d plane and they tend to be much more kind of technical and difficult because of that um so any iteration on this is Something like I, I'm really excited about any iteration, uh, iteration of the Homeworld universe. Uh, what the first two games like, uh, what they're really known for is actually their really melancholy story. Uh, and uh, the like, <laughs> the fact Adagio for Strings, which is one of the most mournful, uh, orchestral, um, you know, uh, sound effects you could put into a game, plays through. A lot of your combats and this is this idea that you're trying to rescue a civilization that is homeless and is actually just a drift literally adrift and you're trying to desperately fight through uh, um overwhelming odds to try to try and find a crumb just a tiny moat of something to cling on to like a little home hence the world home world you know yeah um so any iteration on this i'm excited about i don't know anything about this particular game but hopefully that gives some sort of 
an idea of what Homeworld is about and why that's an interesting <laughs> well, thing it's also inter- to be excited it's, about. It sounds fascinating. And like, I also think like RTSs are, you know, a, a genre that is kind of mutated out of existence, haven't they? They've kind of become mm. MOBAs and, and, and other kind of weird forms of it. But there's, there's this and there's been a, a few other games this, this year, actually, and in the last year where it does feel like they're due a bit of a, a comeback. And there's Company Heroes 3, which is just out, isn't it? Um, yep. Which is kind of, is that RTS? I believe it is. It is. Yeah. Um, which I know people have some hashtag feelings about that one. It has, it's got kind of middling reviews. Yeah. Uh, so what if, actually it's a side, side conversation here, but I've been playing Company of Heroes uh, 3 for the last couple of days. And Jamie, what's been your impression from the online kind of like vibe? You know, what's, what's going on with, with my that? online impression, my, my impression from the online vibe is that people say that the core gameplay is still really good. Yeah. Um, but that the total war style sort oh, of um, right. dynamic map doesn't work <laughs> and you, and basically ends up with nothing happening. Okay. Yep. Well, I've only been playing for a couple of days, but that last point, might be valid <laughs> what I say from this from this point i uh, like the the battles i've played already in company of heroes 3 have been excellent and actually very reminiscent of company of heroes 1 which is a very good thing because it's it's very pure and clear what each infantry unit and armored unit is designed for and how you should deploy them in a like combined effort to overtake squares and capture points I think it's very, very strong in terms of it's actually, uh, you know, core gameplay. I have some thoughts about um, the, yeah, the very, very total war. They've they've tried to sort of like put on a total war strategy layer. Um, And I feel like this is something that probably I should break down in future because... It's a lot to get into. <laughs> yeah. History with both computers and those games. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I can see that. Uh, so yeah, Assassin's Creed Mirage, the return to sort of, I, I, as I understand it, this is like a return to the original Assassin's Creed kind of, uh, you know, sneaking, uh, sneaky, sneaky in a big city and your best mate's Leonardo da Vinci kind of, <laughs> kind of style hope, of Assassin's Creed, hope, I believe. Hopefully, I would say. But I think that's a little bit, controversial uh, i think lots of people really enjoyed the uh rpg edition of uh, you know the last assassin's creeds like your your origins and the fact you level up i never quite liked it and i really like that they go back to some like sharp action and grand vistas and uh, cool recreations of history um that is what i want from assassin's creed yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like it had quite a lot in common with, like, in this original iteration. It had it was almost like a kind of open world hitman, really. It was sort of right. It had much more of a kind of sense of like the world being this kind of clockwork thing that would keep going, and you sort of infiltrated into it. And then, like, in their more recent form of being like open world, I find I, I like I get big town as soon as I start up Assassin's Creed Oranges or Odyssey. I'm just like, oh, I can't (laughs) even, I can't even see the big towns, (laughs) but they're just, I know they're there and I don't even want to go there, you know? Um, 
So that's been my experience <laughs> with those games recently. Like I fired, yeah. I fired up Odyssey. I climbed, uh, I climbed on Apollo's penis, which you can do in the opening. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, minutes of that game, which everyone does, uh, and then and then I'm like, no, I'm actually, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling the penis. So uh, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see this one. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game for a while. Uh, I thought Valhalla looked kind of intriguing, but yeah, this is you know, like. Yeah, very in- very interesting to kind of go back to basics, uh, and it'll be interesting to find out what that means for them, um, and how much sneaking around in a cloak you get to do, and and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, so so might might be a, a cautious purchase this one. Yeah, uh, is uh, Assassin's Creed is a really interesting example of a game that started out with like incredible ambition. Like the first one is, is much blind, but it was trying to be the best game ever. Like it really was. It was trying to actually let you roam around, open the streets, and vault over uh, these buildings in these, you know, semi-accurate, vaguely accurate um, historical environments to, you know, assassinate a given person. And at the time, like (laughs) people forget, like how early Assassin's Creed was, like. There was nothing else trying to do that. And the fact that it was ultimately, I think, compromised in its first iteration um, and has led to Ubisoft sort of like shaping in as many different directions ever since is a fascinating depiction of the the way that the video games industry has travelled over time uh, to try and make, try and make um, Assassin's Creed malleable. I try to shape it to each audience for every, each generation, and I feel as though it's been it. The, it's interesting to observe where it's been successful and where it has failed, and the fact that they've gone back to a more action-focused kind of like uh, brute force game, where there's probably not much of not many RPG elements and not many sort of decisions to make. Uh, it's also the uh, direction that Final Fantasy 16 is taking. Ah, yes, Final so, Fantasy 16, uh, and there's that transition uh, where it feels as though lots of publishers and developers have observed uh, a trend, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> we shall see, but uh, you know that's a good, you know, Final Fantasy 16 looks great. They always look great, though. Final Fantasies always look great. Um, but yeah, that, that's where this one's going. Yeah, Final Fantasy sixteen. It's kind of like you say they 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 make a mean trailer uh, do um, square, um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's like this game has been had a bit of contra- controversy, which I think has been completely needless really <laughs> not the controversy, the fact that the studio have generated it by sort of parroting out that that thing about there being. Uh, medieval Europe is being where their game is based and people talking about, you know, the lack of diversity in the game, you know, and everyone, it's just them sort of saying, well, we want to be authentic to, um, you know, medieval Europe. And the response to that is obviously, well, medieval Europe was actually pretty diverse. So, you know, go, go back, go back to the drawing board on that one. Uh, and that's a shame because I think I, I was, I think I said at the time, actually, I was really hoping that when that criticism came out, that maybe they could like actually engage with it a little bit. 
but like it's months down the line now and people are asking them about it and they haven't done anything about it and i know things are more complicated than all of that and games you can't just change things at a late date but still i just you know i think i think it you know final fantasy is like a kind of flagship genre game uh you know for for rpgs and for a certain kind of player they are a massive event and i just feel like you know we were talking last week about how uh, uh you know final fantasy 7 is like five games worth of game you know and i like i i so appreciate that level of ambition but i feel like that breadth has to kind of grow to include you know people who don't look like you or people who you know people who you know who, who play the games that you know that that might not see themselves represented enough in these things so i think that's a bit of a shame that they've they've sort of steadfastly refused to learn from that um I probably won't play it. Not for that reason. I just like Final Fantasy is such a, you know, playing one of those games is such an undertaking and you, you never quite know if you're going to be playing one of the ones which tells like a numinous story of life, death and renewal or whether it's one that's just kind of, um, I mean, I tried Final Fantasy 12 and it was just, I couldn't believe how inane <laughs> and saccharine the plot was, you know, and so you never quite know if that's what you're in for. <laughs> Yeah, twelve is a, is a mess because <laughs> it seems as though like I really enjoy twelve mechanically, like as sort of you know from a like, game mechanics perspective as a story, it's absolute bollocks. Like um, they're setting up characters like Ash, I think it, he's called in the first three hours that are just not part of the story ever again. Like <laughs> and you're you play as this sort of uh, very youthful kind of what um what's Sherlock Holmes he's got his sort of cadre of um uh, like sort of uh, sewer underlings <laughs> I can't remember what they're called um someone will email me or tweet me to correct me but this is the thing and it's almost like he's one of them like he's one of the sort of under belly uh, do gooders who want to do better, and it doesn't work at all with the story. Like he's he fights through the sewers and kills a a, a, a horse that's on fire, and, it's like, <laughs> and then suddenly he's trying, he's on an airship with the actual characters that the actual story is about, like Belfair, who's uh, you know a sky pirate. He should have been the main character. Like, uh, yeah. So, but also, if thirteen has the same problem, um, Final Fantasy has just been kind of a mess for ages. Yes, both in I, terms, like especially in terms of story and characterization, and you know, uh, this is no different. For I mean, I might, I might be completely talking out of my ass, but I feel like they never survived the kind of switch to like dialogue being spoken aloud in, <laughs> in final fantasy 10 like I, i'm sure that's video game sacrilege but that was the moment for me where i i tuned out of it i think well like, seven how- was famously terribly translated like the, the the english dialogue that you get from the original final fantasy 7 uh it, it, version is just frequently <laughs> crap yeah it's true <laughs> it's not even just like it's not like it's always missing the point of the plot. No, it's just grammatically bad. Like yeah, yeah, and the fact that you know they're trying to 
you know, as we said last week, uh, get some redemption with new versions of this. Like, it doesn't mean that the core problems with Final Fantasy <laughs> haven't been, been resolved. Bad. And I really don't think that, you know, 16 is going to have <laughs> any... <laughs> It might have some. It might have something to say about something. You never know. Well, um, well, we'll both we'll def- both see in a year's time, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> I will say I have played recently. It's on Xbox Game Pass called Chained Echoes, which is like a a, a really good retro RPG made by one guy, which is fantastic. Like oh, cool! It's like a it's like an eight or nine out of ten game, and I'm not a, a oh, JRPG right. type person. Uh, but it is completely brilliant. So, uh, yes, that's all the time we have for this week. We'll be back uh, very soon with the rest of our endless list of games coming out this year and beyond. Um, you can hang out with us and our community uh, uh, on our Discord channel. Discord is lovely. Uh, I'm always there. Um, the link for that's on our website. Uh, questions, comments, thoughts can go to questions at crateandcrowbar.com. Although the Sherlock Holmes sewer children are called the Baker Street Irregulars, um, which which... Which I definitely didn't Google. Um, I just, I, <laughs> oh, just, <laughs> yes, that's what it was. Uh, we're on Twitter at twitter.com slash create and crowbar. <laughs> uh, and we're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash create and crowbar. Uh, podcast is kindly funded by our Patreon backers. If you'd like to know more about supporting our podcast and its spin offs, uh, patreon.com slash create and crowbar, and you'll find it all there. Uh, lovely. Well, uh, that's it. Uh, I've been Jamie Britton. I've been Tom Senior. Lovely to hang out, Jamie. And we'll be back soon with uh, more previews. Goodbye.